This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. Today in John 7, we see the Jewish religious leaders early in Jesus' ministry now consider Jesus a great threat, first of all, because he's challenging their legalistic position. You know, God's all law. There's no grace. There's no forgiveness. And secondly, the thing that really got those guys upset is, is large groups are going to hear Jesus. Man, I'll tell you, they're not, going to hear, they're, they're not going to hear these Pharisees and chief priests. John 5, 17. Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Now, get this. For this reason, the Jews tried all, this is only John 5. The Jews tried all the harder to kill him this early in his ministry. Not only, not only was he breaking the Sabbath by healing that guy, paralyzed for 38 years, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And so in John chapter 7, those guys are out to kill him. And Jesus ain't going down there. He's not going down. He's not going to die before his time. His father's got a time for him to die. He's not going to put God to the test. And so in John chapter 7, verse 1, after this, he went around in Galilee where he was born and raised, purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews there are waiting to take his life. Now verse 2, but when the Jewish feast of the tabernacles was near and you, you go to Jerusalem for that, Jesus' brothers said to him, this is his brother's. You ought to leave here and and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. That's kind of a slam. Since you're doing all these things, go show yourself to the world, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. So Jesus did have brothers. And as I look at Matthew 13, verse 55, it meant it even names his brothers. He did have earthly brothers. Matthew 13, 55. Isn't this the carpenter's son, people said? Isn't his mother named Mary? And aren't his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, aren't these his brothers? See, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is Jesus is the literal son of God. The God-man came from heaven, but Mary and Joseph raised him in Nazareth, the Galilee. He was their oldest. His earthly dad, Joseph, taught him, taught, you know, I'm sure taught Jesus' trade, a carpenter. Yeah, but they had other kids too, and somewhere along the line, Joseph died. And how old was Jesus when Joseph died? We have no idea, but we can make an edu- take an educated guess that Jesus really stepped up to the plate and ran the family business and provided for Mary and his brothers and his sisters. And see, you may hear some of this nonsense about Jesus' childhood, that when he was a child, he did all these miracles. One one I heard was this, that he took some rocks and threw them in the air, and the rocks became birds, and they began to fly. And he did this when he was a boy. 
Folks, that is just stupid, 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 stupid. Jesus did miracles only after the Holy Spirit came upon him at his baptism by John. That's when he began his public ministry. No miracles before that. He was a normal kid in the village of Nazareth, okay? Townspeople knew him. Hey, there goes Joseph's boy, pretty good carpenter too. Hey, he was normal with this big difference. He never, ever, 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 ever sinned. He was always God and man at the same time. Now, you know what I can see Jesus doing? I can see him as a boy growing up. I can see him just studying the scriptures day in, day out. See, he didn't know the scriptures supernaturally. I mean, he had to learn them like you and me. He was a true man. He had to learn those scriptures just like you and me. He didn't have automatic understanding of everything. He learned them like us. And, I, you know, I can see Jesus reading that Bible and going up to his mom, his dad, and his brothers and saying, isn't that Abraham something else? I mean, he's just ready to plunge the knife into his son Isaac. What a guy. And he's all enthralled by that. Isn't that David something? He's taking on this big drink of water, Goliath, and he takes him out with a sling. And man, it's all right here. And he was just so enthralled with the scriptures. It's a mystery to me why his brothers didn't believe in him yet. The Holy Spirit chooses not to tell us. So his brothers say, in verses 3 and 4 of John chapter 7, they say, Jesus' brothers said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see your miracles. Because no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing all these things, go show yourself to the world. Here's what I think they were saying. I think they were saying, go heal a few people. Change some water into wine. Drive out from devils. Some devils. Really snowball these people. So they come up to us and say, oh, you're his brother? See? Can I touch you? I really think these guys wanted a piece of the action, you might say. This is good. Jesus' response to his brothers. And this is what this message is all about. They told him to go to the feast and show off a little bit. And he said to them in John chapter 7, verse 6, The right time for me has not yet come. For you, listen, any time is right. The world cannot hate you. See, the world cannot hate you. Why? Because you blend right in with it. See, but it hates me because I testify that what the world does is evil. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. So we need to ask the question today, what is the world? And who's part of the world? Okay, here's the answer. The world is everyone who does not believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And there's a name for those of us who do trust Christ as our Savior, and that's the word church. There's the world and there's the church. Now follow me here. The word for church in the original language of the Bible, Greek, is ekklesia, and that means the called out ones. So you got the world, and then you have those who are called out of the world. That's you and me, or the church. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are called out of the world. You're part of his true church. Who lives in you once you place your faith in Jesus Christ? Who ta- very simple. Who takes up residence in you? The Holy Spirit. Of course, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And what does he do? He begins to change you. And when you believe in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in you, what happens inside you is your desires change. See, before Christ, you desired to do your own will. And now after faith, once the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, your desire is to do God's will. And that's the struggle within you. Here's God's will. Here's your own flesh. Here's your will. And you struggle with that. Ladies and gentlemen, I struggle with that every day I live. See, the spirit lives in you. You want to do God's will. You don't always do it, but the newborn again, you wants to do God's will. And when you don't do God's will, you confess that sin. 
because you want to do God's will. I'm looking at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John 2 where it says, do not love the world. He's talking to believers. He says, don't love the world or anything in the world. Now look at this. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then Jesus goes, or John goes on to say, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, that's the NIV, but the King James says, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh. And then it goes on to say, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes is not from God the Father. I thought about this when I was writing this. I thought about the lust of the eyes. I see it. I want it. I deserve it. That's the world. You as a believer, if in fact you are a believer, I'm not saying everybody here is, your heart is to please God. And the spirit of God is in you and he creates that in you. And the world does not have the spirit of God to drive them and move them. See, that's the big difference between you guys and us guys, the church and the world. Let's say Jan is your next door neighbor. Her husband is Dean. Jan and Dean, is that out of the 60s? I know I picked those names, I just picked them, okay? Jan and Dean, out of the 60s, all right? <laughs> anyway, you're Jan and your husband calls. No, 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 you're not Jan. You are somebody's wife, and he calls, and he says, I left all these important papers at home, and I got this big meeting today, and I know you got the kids, but you got to get them to me. Is there any way you can get them to me? So you call your next-door neighbor, Jan. And Jan is feeding her kids, and she comes over, you know, you, you, she, she gets your kids ready for school. She gives them breakfast, and she sends them out, and everything's cool. She comes over and cleans up your house a little bit. And she knows you're frazzled. And so Jan says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to help her. And she makes this salad. And so she makes a Traverse City salad, and you come home. And Jan, Jan's got the house cleaned up. Your kids are okay. She says, come on, you're, you're really frazzled today. Come on over, I got this really neat salad. Let's just kick back and rest and talk a little bit. And you think to yourself, what a blessing that girl is in your life. And her husband, Dean, they're such neat people. And um, they're a godsend for neighbors, but they have no interest whatsoever in the things of God. They do fun family things instead of God things. And you love them. But they have no Holy Spirit in them because they never received Jesus Christ. And so Jan and Dean are part of the world. And what's going to happen to Jan and Dean, those nice people, if they would die, or if Jesus Christ would come again tomorrow? They are lost, folks. Unless God changes his standard, and God's standard is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and none other. And so that's the standard for everybody else. But, but, but God will ch if God changes his standard for Jan and Dean, then they're going to go to heaven. This is for Jan and Dean. It's just being nice. You get into heaven if you're nice, see? And some of us look at the Jan and Deans in our life and we think, what wonderful people, and there's no burden on your heart for their salvation because you think God has one standard for everybody else. But these people are so nice. He's got a different standard for them. And Jan and Dean are from the world. And here's, here's the big thing too. Who controls the world? So we were talking about the world and the church. Ephesians 2 says... Um, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. You were dead. 
when you follow the ways of this world and its ruler, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's the devil, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. See, what that word of God says is the Holy Spirit controls believers and the devil and his fallen angels controls people without the Holy Spirit. And they're such nice people. But they're of the world, and they're moved by the devil. He's under there under his control. And God allows that. Satan can't do anything without God's yes. So the world is, all those without the Spirit, under the dominion of the devil, some of them very nice people. And so Jesus says to his brothers, in John chapter 7, verse 7, he says, basically, you fit right in with the world. He says, the world cannot hate you because you're going to blend right in. The world hates me because I testify to what's evil. And this happens to us, how we just assimilate with the world. You know what I thought about when I was writing this, thinking about sports? You know, sports is everything to the world. It's all consuming that their kids make the team. And once you're on the team, you're going to make just about any sacrifice to get them to practice, you're going to, any sacrifice to get them to games, pictures. I mean, you will change dinner time. People will change their hair appointments. Well, maybe not hair appointments, no. I mean, they're going to juggle their schedules so their kids can be there. I mean, you will change anything you have to for a game or a practice or a picture, all related to sports. And there's not a whole lot of people who would juggle things around like they would for sports to be in church on a Wednesday night and just expose people to more and more of the word of God, you wouldn't do that like you would for sports. Just consider, just consider, you people who have kids, consider the sacrifices you will make to get your kids to a sports event or a practice and the sacrifices you will not make to get your kids into the atmosphere of the word of God. Exactly like Jesus' brothers. You're just, you're just playing their game, man. You're just assimilating right into them. The world can't hate you. And then you got to ask yourself the message. What message, or you got to ask yourself the question, what message are you sending to your kids? Sacrifice anything for sports, almost nothing for the word of God. So are we like Jesus' brothers? Do we play right up to the world? And I just wonder, how much stuff are we putting our stamp of approval on because we either say nothing or don't set the biblical standard? Listen, when you live out the gospel, the gospel is going to be an offense. Seriously, it's going to be an, you're not going to try and do this, but the gospel is going to be an offense. The gospel is going to be a stumbling block, and that's exactly what it says. And Jesus is the incarnation of the gospel. And I'm reading 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. It says, now to you who believe this stone or this rock, Jesus Christ, is precious, but to those who don't believe... The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or foundation stone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that causes men to fall over it. That's who Jesus Christ is. Let's say, I mean, that's what the gospel is when you live out your faith. I mean, it, it can be, a, it, you know, you can either build on that rock, Jesus Christ, you can either build on it or you can stumble over it. Let's say you're talking to somebody and they're talking about they're just talking about somebody else. It's, it's gossip. And the Holy Spirit brings the ninth commandment to your mind. The ninth commandment says, um, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. And so they're talking about this person, and you, and you just like that, you interject something good about that person into the conversation. You have just become a stumbling block. Of course they're going to be convicted. 
Of course they're going to say, hey, goody two-shoes, or call you something like that. Of course they're not going to want to talk to you again about something like that. But what you're doing is you're raising the bar, see? And that's what John 7, 7 is all about. See, when you represent Jesus Christ and you're guided by the Spirit, people will not hate you. They won't hate you, but they're going to back off from you because they know you're right. They know you have conviction and they know you have the strength to live your faith and your strength to live your principles is going to magnify their weakness. It happens. Your strength to do the right thing and live your principles is going to magnify their weakness and man, they're going to back off from you. Just think about young people. Um, You run with a crowd. When you listen to your heart and the Holy Spirit's guiding you, I mean, your righteous life, anybody, but I'm just talking to primarily young people now, your righteous life may be an offense to your friends. But but listen to God's word in 1 Peter 4.4. I'm I'm just going to quote this from the King James Bible. 1 Peter 4.4. They, meaning your friends, the people you hang out with, think it's strange that you no longer run with them. I like that. 1 Peter 4, 4, they're going to think, you're weird. What happened to you? Well, the Holy Spirit happened to you, see? Jesus Christ happened to you. And it goes on to say, they think it's strange that you no longer run with them to the same excess of riot, and they speak evil of you, quote, unquote. Now, listen, you're not trying to make this happen. You are just, number one, guided by the Holy Spirit. All you're doing is living your faith. You're obeying God before you're obeying men. That's Acts 5.29. And you understand what I talked about earlier in this message. You have, you have a grip on, on John chapter 7. Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about Jesus. Some said he's a good man. Others replied, no, he's a deceiver. And there's always division over this Jesus Christ. And if you're a believer, you will not avoid it. The truth will always be a divisive issue. But listen to what Peter goes on to say. He says that in 1 Peter 2. You're going to stumble over the rock, Jesus Christ. But you, back to 1 Peter 2. This is our memory work for today. This is so good. But you, you, you the believer, you're a chosen people. A people belonging to God. That you have the privilege to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Listen to this. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you were lost, you were a nobody. I mean, you you were on a road to hell. But he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And now you're part of the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Good grief in the light of a passage like that. Why wouldn't you refuse to blend in with the world? To say no to the world. See, God gave you everything that's worth anything. Man, that demands some kind of response of love. Listen, here's what's going to happen. A bunch of people told me stories like this. You go to work, and you're a believer. And people avoid you, or they challenge you. And they say, listen, how can you say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? And that all those Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims and nice people, how can you say they're not saved? You are so bigoted. And they'll challenge you. Or they're going to say, how can you believe? The Bible is written by men. And men make mistakes. But when those same people had a problem, people have told me this, they would come to them because, listen now, they wanted to go to somebody with conviction. Somebody who believes and then lives what they believe 
and they stand on those principles and they will come to you. I'm not kidding you. And right there is your opportunity to be sympathetic and build into their lives, okay? I just remember when Cheryl worked at Henry Ford Hospital, people would say, be careful what you say around Cheryl. Watch your language. But when their lives were falling apart, they wouldn't go to other people. They would go to her because they trusted someone they knew had conviction. When they see conviction in you and you live your biblical principles, you're going to be able to speak into their lives. John 17, just check this out. This is verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So Jesus says, Father, I don't want you to take these, my beloved, my disciples, out of the world. So Jesus is saying you've got to be in the world. But the verse 16, but they are not of the world even as I am not of it. See, we need to be in the world, but not of the world. Again, in the world, but not of the world. That means, that means you got to go to work and you got to go to family birthday parties with unsaved people and you watch news and other TV. And it's real easy, man, because you're out there in that world every day. It's real easy to start thinking like the world and say, hey, who knows if I'll be alive in another month? Who knows? So get it all now. So buy it now. Who cares? Buy it. I, you know, it's not going to be alive next month. See, that's the world. Or maybe you say, hey, those gay people are really nice. Work with a couple of gay people. They really bless me. Maybe it is genetic. And maybe they can help it. And maybe we do have a right to choose our own lifestyle. And maybe we shouldn't judge them. See, you're out there in that world, see. And the more you are out there, the more you're going to agree with it. And, and, you know, John 7, 7, hey, you guys go to the feast, man. Nobody's going to hate you because you, you fold right in with it, man. They're going to hate me because I, 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 I showed it's evil. See, nobody's offended by your life when you blend right in with the world. Everybody loves you. I mean, how do you keep from conforming to the world instead of being called out of the world? Folks, you got to be committed to the word of God. You got to sacrifice something else and carve out that time to sink your heart and mind into the Bible. That's where God's principles are. You're out there in that world every single day. If you don't carve out that time and get your face in the word of God, you're going to think more and more like the world. You're going to be right in there with Jesus, brothers. Hey, go to the feast. They can't tell the difference. You know, John 17, 17, sanctify them. Set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. And you've got to make priority choices, folks. You've got to skip dinner or something else to be part of a group Bible study. I mean, you take your Bible to work with you, and you're not ashamed of that. And at lunch, you eat, some, you eat lunch for 20 minutes with some nice people. Then you take about 15 minutes, and you go off by yourself out in your car someplace like that and read your Bible and let the Holy Spirit speak into your heart. You choose, and this is a discipline, to listen to Christian teaching on radio and CDs. You make yourself accountable to believing people. And you ask them to speak into your life. You've got people that you allow to speak into your life because they know the scriptures. You volunteer for ministries where you can be, where you can be around. You're going to hang out with truly born-again people who love the Lord and his word. You share stuff going on in your life, and you ask those folks to pray for you, and you pray for them. That's what we need to do, or you're right in there with Jesus' brothers. John 7, 5 says his own brothers did not believe in him. And one of his brothers is this guy, James. Back to Matthew 13. 55. Aren't these his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Listen, James, see, James came to faith. He came to faith, and he became the head of the whole church in the book of Acts. And just read Acts 15 about James. He had to make some very tough decisions, and he made the decisions based on the word of God. And that was Jesus' brother who didn't believe in him. 
Now I'm looking at other brother, Judas. He wrote the book of Jude. And he said, he said, he said in Jude chapter verse two, I felt I had a right and urge you guys to contend for the faith. That was for once and all and trust to the saints. So here's this brother of Jesus who didn't believe in him. And he's saying, go out there and contend for the faith. I mean, these guys, I, and I have to believe that all Jesus' brothers and sisters came to faith. I got to believe that. Why? Because they grew up in a home that stood on the word of God. For some, it took longer. But that word, through their home, got into their brain and down into their heart and began to ran, run through their blood. If in your home you teach the word of God and make those sacrifices to get your family into the word of God. And I'm dead serious about this. Skip dinner or skip a ball game or something like that to be involved in the word of God. And you role model that word of God. And you even enforce it and you tell people in your family, you don't want to do this because God's word says don't do that. Or you want to do this because God's word says do this. And you bring it right back to the word of God. I want to tell you something, the same thing's going to happen in your family. May we all live out that word, what we know and believe, regardless of consequences, because we've been called out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So today we've seen that the world is everyone who hasn't accepted Christ as their Savior. They have no indwelling Holy Spirit to guide them, to empower them. You know, people of the world are under the dominion of demons. You, 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 listen, you're either saved under the dominion of the Holy Spirit or you're not saved, you're under the dominion of demons. Even nice, even nice people are under that dominion. The church that is the true church, all true believers, we sometimes fall into the world, but we repent and we turn from that sin because it's our heart to please God. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.